1: Please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjilung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined yet again by one of the How I Quit Alcohol grads. She's an absolute legend. She was on the show back on episode 166. It's Jade Lee. Jade is a yoga teacher. She is an all-round awesome human. She's an author. She's done lots of things and she's doing lots of things in her sobriety. And we're here to talk about the second year in sobriety and how choosing sobriety can actually help you fulfill the life of your dreams. Jade, how are you?
2: I'm amazing, thanks Danny. I'm really feeling inspired and uplifted and yeah, I'm like my body is vibrating at a really high frequency at the moment. I've had a great inspirational weekend and I'm feeling like I can take on anything at the moment.
1: Tell me about your weekend.
2: So I went to a seminar around opening up my chakras and raising my vibration and working through all the stuck energy and it was It was one of those weekends where you had to kind of dig deep to find out the areas that might be holding you back and do that really difficult inner work that we kind of get used to doing in sobriety. Just unpacking kind of another layer of the, I don't know, for me, it was a couple of things about shame and about fear that came up. And mm, wow. I worked through that and then cleared a few things and walked away with was beautiful breath work and Qigong and meditation. And I just walked away feeling like so much lighter and
1: Mm-mm. made it take it all on. Isn't that amazing? And I love that I was going to ask you if you'd share what were one of the things that you identified that was holding you back. So shame and fear. Wow. And was that shame and fear coming from... An old pattern or is it from stuff to do with drinking? Can you share? You don't have to share. Yeah, no,
2: that's fine. One of the key things that's come up is around a lack mindset regarding money, like a, a scarcity mindset, that I probably mm-hmm. never realized I actually had. And I think that was because whenever it came up, I just go go to the pub and forget about it and just not worry about it. And whereas in sobriety I've had to stop and listen to what that emotion was trying to tell me and that's some of the work that you taught us how to do in the challenge and in the grads group about actually sitting with the emotions and that's why I really love being part of the grads group because that's something that I really hadn't done at all and now I just get curious I feel into it and go what's that about like I don't necessarily do anything about it then and there but it's like what is that about why am I feeling this way why am I anxious when I look at my bank account even though I know there's money in there
1: that's interesting, isn't it? Did you grow up with lack?
2: Can I ask? I didn't think that I did. So I didn't think that we, we always had enough money, but there was always that idea. Like, it's funny because one of the things that came up in the retreat over the weekend was my mother used to say money doesn't grow on trees. Money doesn't grow mm-hmm. on trees. We don't have a money tree at the back. So what I've actually done is I've actually created the tree pose in yoga. So now I do a little money sign with my fingers well, I'm in tree pose, it's kind of like <laughs> a subliminal sign to, my, to myself about the abundance that I have within me. But, yeah, so it wasn't like we grew up in like and I probably didn't think that it was a problem. But once you start unpacking the layers, it became obvious that I still had that I'm worried that I won't have enough. I'm worried that it doesn't matter how much there is, I'm still ultimately worried that I won't have enough. And being able to actually... St- tap into my own abundance this past year has been an absolute exercise in actually tapping into realizing that I have a lot of different ways that I can make money it's where i want to choose to have my living and and where i choose to put my energy to make money it's completely up to me like there's nothing stopping me from going back to the 9 to 5 which is basically one of the main reasons why i lent into sobriety because I didn't want to be there because I knew that I could do so much more but it's a choice it's a choice that I'm making as opposed to I have to I, I can't possibly go back to to working nine to five. of course I could if I wanted to but mm-hmm. I'd much prefer to lean into my ability to generate income from doing things that I love as opposed to things that zaps energy from me
1: yeah I think As you and I'm sure we're going to touch on this in this conversation, but I think sometimes too, when we lean into sobriety, suddenly we're not so bogged down with worry and the anxieties and we start to see the little gifts and the opportunities that show up that we can then embrace. And then we do that. And then one thing after the other, things start to open up. And then before you know it, all these things that you wanted for yourself are suddenly showing up or you are creating an income from something that you love doing. I think you have to do work to get there. I don't think that just comes so easily, but I think there's a certain amount of work required or practice required or whatever it is, study, whatever it is. But that sobriety allows that space as
2: well, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is like I was waking up every morning in a state of anxiety because of drinking. So I was a daily drinker and three o'clock in the morning I would wake up in that feeling of anxiety, which I now know was caused by alcohol withdrawal. But at the time I never realised that and it was actually this morning I was lying in bed and I'm just like, I wake up calm. And if I don't wake up calm, I'm like, oh, what's going on there? What's that about? But because it's not constant, you can actually identify it and go, okay, right, there's something there as opposed to I'm just constantly in a state of anxiety that's different to noticing it when it comes up from time to time. I still get anxious but I was reflecting on it today, it's hardly ever in comparison to what it was before. Like I was in a constant state of anxiety. And that's also part of the, what I've really lent into for the last 12 months is using breath work and getting to understand my nervous system and being able to regulate my own nervous system consciously. Yeah, and so then you, you kind of, you, then you notice it more when you're out of regulation because you're not always out of regulation. That's
1: right. It's so incredible, isn't it? It's so important to understand this stuff but that's what we we start to understand as we listen to more podcasts or we do some study or you know we learn from other people it's a great conversation to be having so the scarcity mindset how does that manifest in your life I imagine one thing that just came to mind was when you've gone out to the pub and you've smashed a whole lot of beers and you've done whatever and shouted this one and that one and then you wake up going fuck how much did I spend I mean that is not great for the scarcity mentality that's for sure
2: yeah, absolutely. So it was just, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to feel this worry about money. So I'm going to go and drink. And I, like, I just can't believe that I, <laughs> I didn't logically see the connection at the time. It just amuses me now.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, it
2: was just to push down that feeling and to walk away from it. But then, yeah, as you said, then it would exacerbate the problem because you've gone, you've spent a lot of money drinking, eating out, going out with your husband, going out with friends, as you said, shouting people. And then the next day... You just feel worse. Your bank balance looks worse and you've got even more anxiety than what you did to begin with. So, yeah, I guess just the realisation that it doesn't, if if I'm living in that scarcity mindset, which I now realise I was or still am to a certain extent, I was definitely improved, you're never going to have enough. So you need to work in to understand why that is and to try and turn it around and think about, like you said, in the gratitude, think about all the things that you're grateful for, think about all the things that you do have. And there is so many things that we do have in this country that we can quite often take for granted.
1: Absolutely. And look, and I think the scarcity mindset, of course, we're not thinking in terms of gratitude, that's for sure. And also the scarcity mindset can keep us stuck in a rut, like it can keep you stuck in a job that you don't enjoy. It can keep you like being competitive with other people, not wanting to share in other people's successes because you want it all for yourself. And then that doesn't get anyone anywhere. I think the more that people can collaborate and share, the more there's enough for everybody. And as soon as people start, I see it all the time where people start wanting to hold it all to themselves or this is mine, this is mine, that it doesn't serve them. It doesn't serve them at all. It always backfires. And I think it's this protection thing too, for sure. Like I think it's, It's not because someone's a bad person, if they're competitive or anything like that, but it's just that it's just coming from that scarcity mindset and it's probably a bit of their protector kicking in. But it's great to recognise, oh, I'm doing that scarcity mindset thing. Uh, I've seen it really extreme too with people. I was talking to someone the other day who she said she was working for this crew. If she broke an egg cooking breakfast for this thing that they were on, they would make her go buy another egg. Wow what the fuck? Like, I'm like, gee, they had a scarcity mindset. Well, now how they're going now? Fucking hell. Anyway, I digress. But yes, and then all that ruminating, of course, and that the bad feelings in the body, of course, can lead to wanting to get rid of the bad feelings in the body. So it's definitely worth addressing. But isn't it true, Jade, that when you start to get into your sobriety more and we do start to realise those things that are being presented to us, we have more of a, I don't know, a clear space to reach for those things that are there or that we might want to reach for that we've been too scared for in the past.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I guess my last 12 months has been a testament to that, to allowing and having the space to, A, work through the scarcity mindset. And one of the things that I had, one of the limiting beliefs that I had was you can't make money as a yoga teacher. You can't make money as a yoga Mm -hmm. teacher. That was one of my limiting beliefs. And was just so many opportunities that came through 2023 for me to teach yoga more. And I was a qualified yoga teacher, but because of COVID and whatever, I hadn't actually done too much of it. Like I kind of let it go by the wayside a little bit and hadn't actively gone out. And in the last, so at the start of 2023, when I came back from my overseas holiday, just all these opportunities started coming and People started calling me, and I had one lady call me who I'd never heard of before. And she's just like, "I've heard you're an amazing yoga teacher. Can you come and teach at my studio?" And I'm like, "Sure, yeah, let's do it." Like, yeah, I'm I'm, in my head. I'm thinking, "How the heck do you know I'm an amazing yoga teacher?" (laughs) (laughs) Well, she heard? She heard. Who's told you this? And and so I just said yes. I said yes to all of these opportunities. And it wasn't that I deliberately didn't want to go out and ask for for the opportunities, but I didn't have to because they just kept coming to me. And the universe was just saying, Jade, you are going down that track because one of my overarching, well, probably my key, my key dream that I really wanted was to run trekking retreats in the Himalayas. So my husband's from Nepal, Um, I met him when I trekked to Everest Base Camp and one of my you know, those those big dreams that are too scary to actually really dream about and mm-hmm. it was to run trekking retreats in the Himalayas and practising yoga, practising how to teach yoga, getting together all of my sequences and understanding all the different topics and themes that I was going to have was all part of preparing me to do that, preparing me to be able to confidently take a group of people over to the Himalayas and to talk about all this spiritual stuff. When I was over there, it was a complete and utter spiritual awakening. I just couldn't believe how A, pristine and beautiful the place is. It's just absolutely amazing. But probably more so is we're talking about lack mindset. Like These people have very little and they are 100% abundant. They're just and breathing how happy they are to be alive and Mm. you can't trek in the Himalayas without really experiencing how joyous these people are yeah so one of my yeah it was like my big scary dream to be able to do that and yes as we've been discussing I'm going to be leading a trekking retreat in November going to Everest Base Camp and the Gyokyo Lakes a 19 day trekking retreat in the Himalayas which is just a I'm just so excited to be able to take people to that part of the world because I just I just know it's going to be a life-changing experience and B it's like my dream come true that has been manifested through sobriety which is so exciting for me oh my god I
1: got tears in my eyes I'm so happy for you I'm so excited I'm so, so excited for you. I just think it's so brilliant and I love to see when people's dreams are coming true through their sobriety and watching you in your sobriety and how, like, it's it's just amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And that's in November, so you're taking a group of people To Everest Base Camp, you're going to, I wish, so wish I could come. I so wish I could come, but unfortunately I cannot, but maybe perhaps the following one. But it just sounds like a truly amazing experience. And to do that kind of trekking and to be doing yoga at the same time and the deep conversations, what an absolute gift, an absolute gift. You should be so proud of yourself. It's just wonderful. Tell me about, I mean, would you have achieved that? Would you be doing this if you were still drinking?
2: I don't think I would have because I was slowly losing my motivation. I was slowly losing my motivation for life. I was slowly settling. I was settling more and more. And I could. one of the key reasons why I ultimately made the step was because I'm not someone who wants to settle for mediocrity. It's just not really in my psyche. And I really didn't want to get to the end of my life and just go, oh, well, you know, you were in your 40s and you just decided to keep drinking and that. For me, it came to a point that there was a choice. It was like, this is your your left turn and this is your right turn, and you can decide whether you're turning left or right. But you know in yourself which one. And the problem is that even if you turn even if you turn on the left turn and you keep drinking, that right turn is still gonna be there and you're still gonna be thinking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're still gonna be wanting to get off that track, you're still gonna be going, I really shouldn't be on this this left path. And I guess now, just as I'm speaking about it, it's kind of like a metaphor for the for the mountain trail, right? So, you know, you can go down the mountain or you can go up the mountain and you know it's going to be a bit of a tougher trek to go up the mountain, but the views and the life and everything up the mountain is just so much better. And you know that and you're never going to kind of unknow it. Well, in my heart of hearts, I was never going to unknow that I had made a decision to settle and I didn't want to settle. I wanted to grow and rise Oh, I love that. Grow and rise. Yes, yes, yes.
1: I love that so much. And that's what sobriety has given me. I know that. And I think about Ash and I think about the grads and so many people are just kicking goals and just doing amazing things in their lives because, and it doesn't have to be taking people on a trek at Everest Base Camp, but it could just be like, Learning yoga, you know, that they might not have ever thought that was possible for them, or just to be doing a weekend or a camping holiday without drinking. You know, I, I just hear it all the time that just when someone's so proud of themselves for achieving those little goals, and it so it doesn't have to be huge, but just those little goals that they're achieving. And I think it eventually just keeps on leading and leading. And we do, we grow and we rise. And it's just, that's such powerful words, Jade. That's amazing. I I know for sure, I don't know, Ash and I were talking again the other day about just where we'd be perhaps if we hadn't quit drinking. And I mean, obviously nothing like, I would be doing nothing like this, but I just can't even imagine where our life would be. And it just brings me to tears sometimes because I think fucking hell, where would we have ended up? And a lot of the choices we were making was out of self-hatred because the drinking had got us into such a bad place that we weren't making choices that were supportive or healthy or loving towards ourselves or each other. And gosh, and we think about living that life. It's just so scary. It's so scary. A good thing for people listening is to think about areas in life. If you can be really truthful and this is without judgment, but perhaps getting the pen and paper out and writing down the areas in which alcohol might be blocking you for your dreams or holding you back. And so let's say, Jade, like you were saying, you had no motivation. But also, let's just say you were still drinking. What would be some of the things that would be holding you back now from achieving this that you're doing, achieving the life that you're living now?
2: Well, I guess ultimately, in order to lead retreats and teach people about spirituality and all that kind of stuff, you really have to be true to yourself. And if you're not true to yourself, it's very difficult to ask other people to be true to you. And then you, you're you're living mm-hmm. kind of a life that's not aligned to your values. And that's ultimately, yeah. if you want to get down to the nitty gritty of it, I wouldn't be waking up at four a.m. <laughs> well, I would have been waking up at four a.m. but
1: <laughs> with a pounding heart <laughs> I mean, and. Head in the dunny. Yeah,
2: exactly. So I wouldn't <laughs> be getting up at 4 a.m., bouncing out of bed and going and doing some journaling and walking the dog and, you know, practicing yoga and all of that kind of stuff. I wouldn't have become a breathwork and meditation teacher in the last 12 months. Like that was mm-hmm. something that I, even though I, I knew that I liked yoga, that's a whole new idea. Like I was one of the people who's, and probably even until the last six months, okay, fine, I can sit there in silent meditation for 10 minutes and I'm like waiting for the clock to turn, and I really didn't like it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, "Whoa, let's go do some meditation. I'm really looking forward to it. I know it makes mm-hmm. me sound like a mm-hmm. bit of a woo-woo spiritual head. But the thing is, like, you still have to go through that period where it is difficult. But mm-hmm. once you get to it, you're like, oh, this is great. Being with myself, being really authentically comfortable with who I am, I think that's the thing. You, It's very difficult to love yourself when you're constantly going back on promises that you make to yourself. Yeah. And that was where I was at. I was doing that whole, I'm not going to drink today, I'm only going to drink the weekends, all that kind of stuff that we do and these deals that we're making with each other, with ourselves, sorry, and we realise that every time we break those promises, I think that you've said this before, every time we break those promises, we're feeling bad about ourselves and we're just chipping away at our own self-esteem. I think that's got a lot to do with it. And the key thing is just living according to my values and and one thing that I still remember from a session that we did in the grads group very early on and we were encouraged to think forward five years
1: oh that was in the challenge group, challenge was it? group.
2: yeah it was It was in the mm-hmm. challenge group we were encouraged to think forward five years and I was just like I'm gonna do this like I probably was thinking at the time in five years time I'm going to be leading treks to the Himalayas and I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to be a yoga teacher. I'm going to be up on stage speaking to people and coaching people. And this is probably what I was thinking. And at the end, you said, what if you were still drinking? And it was just, it was like a crushing feeling of, I don't see myself doing that. I won't be doing that if I'm still drinking. And it was really, really powerful. And that just came to mind when you were talking before. And yeah, the other thing, is how closely you are aligned to what are your top 10 values and how closely are you aligned to them. And I was not aligned at all to my top 10 value. Well, alcohol was reducing my alignment to those top 10 values in every single one of them. And I'm all or nothing, I guess. So I was wanting to be all aligned with them and, and be doing everything I could to make sure that those dreams that I had, I, I gave them a good shot. Like even if I didn't get there, it's okay but I'd given them a good shot. So I knew that I'd done my best to head towards them so that I didn't have regrets and I didn't feel like I had given up on myself. 100%. And that's
1: part of it too, isn't it? It's like having a goal. It's like with your I am statement, it's no good just saying, oh, I am going to, I am leading treks in the Himalayas, but then sitting on your ass and not doing anything to get towards there. I mean, it's great to have your I am statement. It's great to have your goal and think about the outcomes you want. But it's all about, the mini steps and the steps that you're taking to get yourself there you can't just say i'm going to be headlining or playing the main stage at Byron Bay Blues Festival but not work on your singing or your musicianship or your guitar playing or getting a good band together. It's like just I'm just going to sit here and wait for Peter Noble to call me. It doesn't happen. So you have to take the steps to get to where you're going. And I think that's the other beautiful thing that sobriety gives you. It enables you, it takes the shackles off. As Ash says, it takes the rocks out of your backpack so you can start to take those steps forward to where you want to go.
2: You can see yourself moving towards it too. You can see, yeah. you can see all the little. You're going to use the rocks in the backpack analogy. You see all the rocks behind you on the trekking trail, and you're going, "Okay, right. Well, I've got rid of another rock, and I'm moving forward." Oh, fuck yeah! And yes, um, uh, love that. Yeah, and and I think that, and that's another part of it is also just stopping and celebrating and going, "Huh, look what I've done! Look how far I've come. This is good." And for me, that's been a big part of it as well, celebrating all the little things like whenever I get a new <laughs> get a new qualification oh look now a breathwork teacher <laughs> how'd that happen yes well done yes yeah
1: and look and going back to that scarcity mindset I, I wanted to say this before too like obviously we not everyone has the funds but there's different ways in which you can get little accreditations or do more courses they don't have to be super expensive you some you can pay off sometimes you can like even that um, Udemy, it's on the internet, they do very cheap courses and some of them are really excellent, excellent courses that you can just do to occupy your time early on in sobriety or, or wherever you are in sobriety. Yeah. I think it's it's important to especially look any time in your sobriety but definitely once you've got through that first year, like you and I were talking about this at the start, the voice press record that sometimes that first year of sobriety is just all about getting through. And sometimes it's really exciting. Sometimes it's like pink clouding the whole way. Some people it's just like fuck, getting myself through. And then that second year can look very different. The second year can be really tough for some people. For some people it's like, wow, I'm stepping into this and this is who I am. I'm embracing this new me. Some people will feel really resistant because things start to surface things start to bubble up that we've been using alcohol to push it down and it's got to come up. So as things start to surface, that can be painful for people, And but also you can get stagnant. So there's a few things to look out for in that second year of sobriety too, that stagnation. And it's not about doing all the things, but it's about what can I do to expand myself a little bit more and for me, I've got a thirst for knowledge and I've, I think depending on your why as well, like I've got this, I want to help people. So I know that every course I do is going to be beneficial. Hopefully if it's been beneficial for me, it's going to be beneficial for someone else. So that gives me that real drive, but I didn't know it. Look, to be honest, Jade, I, I, when I first started just learning more, it was never about coaching. So I didn't know that I was going to be doing that, but it was really about, well, I was coaching someone, I was coaching myself the most important one. Yeah. So watching and I I don't think I got stagnant because I really really did just stay thirsty for knowledge with curious like with a curious mindset and just kept just stay curious. Like I think it's important to watch the mindset and not to be watching TV every night. I mean that's okay if you want to do that, but if you want to expand you could be there's so much we can be learning. And learning again doesn't have to be a course. It could be going to a yoga class. It could be going to an art class, like learning from other people perhaps, just learning what you can, stay curious. So talk to me about your second year after you've done that first year and then how is it now?
2: Yeah, I guess and just came up then when you were talking about not necessarily learning all the things and not necessarily taking it all on. That's been a big learning for me to be a little Mm. bit more discerning about where I put my energy So, and Mm. not putting myself under the pressure to have to do everything (laughs) so
1: yeah that's huge we should definitely talk about that
2: yeah because I had Mm -hmm. actually at the end of last year I had four or five unfinished courses (laughs) and I'm like we're (laughs) not doing a new course until you have finished off those courses and now I'm more like okay well what does 2024 look like and I'm only going to do one course but it's going to be, it's actually going to be a yoga therapy course that I'm going to take through the whole year. Although there are some other things you go, oh, I guess I could fit that in. But it's more being more discerning, knowing that we have a certain amount of energy and it's around energy management. We talk about time management, it's around energy management. It's around being aware of what takes your energy and what gives you energy. And it doesn't have to be always learning something new, but it can just be spending time with with people who inspire you, it can be spending time with your pets, it can be going for a walk, it can be whatever it is that gives you energy. And what gives you energy, Danny, won't be the same thing that gives me energy. Yes. There are some universal things, but we just need to think about it and go, okay, right, what actually gives us energy? And then also that also comes down to people who we spend time with as well. What things have looked like for me for the last 12 months or for the for this my second year of sobriety has been around a determination to live in a more flow state so to be more aware of my energy and to if I'm feeling tired note why I'm feeling tired and then go do do a yoga nidra so a yoga nidra at three o'clock in the afternoon instead of coffee and coffee and chocolate surprisingly mm. enough it works a little bit better who would have thought um, <laughs> yeah. and it's also been around not beating myself up when I don't achieve what I set out to achieve. It's more like, okay, right, well, that took longer than I thought it was going to take. Let's just take that into account for next time and not push myself so much or give myself more time or maybe get up earlier to do it or whatever, just decide where I'm when I'm actually going to be doing it to use my energy the best way. And also just working on what you ultimately really want to do. Where do you really want to do? It? And not necessarily going by what you've you've done in the past or what you think you need to do, just go, actually, is that really aligned with where I want to go? Where do I actually want to spend my time? And also noticing people in your life who may not be, who may be taking more energy from you as well and assessing that, not necessarily letting that relationship go, but just going, okay, right, that's interesting the way I respond to that situation. Like I've now realised I'm really... I probably was always quite resentful towards judgmental people, but now I re- really can't handle it. So it's just been really getting curious. Like every, every day is an opportunity to get more curious about what makes me tick. The things that I yeah. never would have even noticed or realised when I was drinking because I just drank through it. Just go, okay, right, that person or that particular event really annoyed me or I have got really upset about that and not get cranky. Oh, like you get cranky initially, but then go okay, like, right, what was it about that? What was it about mm-hmm. that that got me cranky? Is that person triggering mm-hmm. me because it's a previous version of myself? What exactly is it about that that we talk about people being a mirror for us? And there's a lesson mm-hmm. in the in the situations that that come up. Like, what is this situation trying to teach me?
1: Oh, it's the best question. When you do get upset about something, it's like, well, that's hit something in me. That's hit my stuff. What stuff has that hit that that person's done? And isn't that interesting? Ah, you get, it's an opportunity to learn more. And that's what sobriety gives you too, the space to have the clarity to go, isn't that interesting? And if you're not, if you're still feeling all pent up and there's anger issues or this stuff there's still lots of stuff, then go work with someone, like go work with a therapist, go work with a counsellor, work your way through it. There's one thing to be said about putting the alcohol down. There's something else to be said about actually doing the work and the work comes in all sorts of forms. But what that really means is digging deep, like actually understanding what triggers us, understanding things that get us, that hits our stuff and, and working on that because that's the only way you get free of it is to see it, to have awareness of it to hold it and to give it what it needs rather than push it away. There's no need to be pushing it away or just reacting, but we want to actually learn from it. I think that's really important. The other thing, just going back, sorry, to what you said before is about watching your energy. I see two different things happen sometimes when I'm working with people, Jade. It's like either people take on a morning practice, say, or or a new daily practice and they've overloaded themselves so much that either A, they toss it in the bin. They just go, this is fucking too hard. I'm out. And then once they've gone out and stopped doing it, then oftentimes that leads back to drinking inevitably. Or the second one is just beating themselves up about not getting it all done. And it's like, it's looking at it and going, okay, simplify, fucking simplify. Like if you're feeling overwhelmed, your body's trying to tell you something. There's a difference between procrastination and and overwhelm for sure. And I think you can ask yourself that, but if there's too much, pull it right back, simplify it, watch your energy, just allow yourself, pull it back to 10 minutes a day if that's all you've got. But I know the people that get overwhelmed because it's so important to them. Their sobriety is so important that they're holding onto it so tightly, their daily practice. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Otherwise I might fuck up, but it's not like that. I think it's good to realize that, Hey, you're here doing it look how far you've come and you've got to protect it's all about conserving your energy in all forms so I think it's really important too for I think someone a few people might need to hear that
2: yeah and I think that that's yeah that's absolutely been true for me in the past with my all or nothing mentality and now it's like okay right what can you do and the key word for me in my sobriety is freedom I, mm. I want to be free from alcohol and to me being free from alcohol isn't were never and never was ever going to be having a life that wasn't as good as the life that I had before. So for me it was around I was really adamant that I wasn't going to be one of the, in inverted commas, alcoholics on a movie where they were just always so scared about having a drink and life was, you know, they were right always on the edge of disaster. And I was like, no, I never want to be that. I want to actually create the freedom so how do I create the freedom? I create the freedom by getting to know myself, by creating the life that you don't want to escape from, which is, you know, perhaps a bit of a cliche, but that's 100% what it's about. And I'm um, now I'm like going, I would never want to go back to that ever again. And even, I think it was a couple of days ago, someone who I've met through a group, she messaged me and she's reasonably early in her sobriety journey. And she said to me, I hope you haven't forgotten how, how sneaky the wine witch is! And I'm like, I have not forgotten, but I'm not scared of her anymore either. Like I'm, I have not forgotten. I know she's there, but also I don't want to go back there. I know now, know because of the work that I've done and because of how good life has got that I don't want to go back there. Like I categorically do not. And I think that's the key. I think that sometimes we can get too caught up in what we're missing out on, not what we're working towards, but it's slow. Like it's a slow thing. Like that's something that happens over months and years. It's not something you're going to get straight away. Like you still need to go through that hard yards of, yeah, life's a bit crap at the moment. I really want to be going out drinking. But over mm-hmm. time you start to realise what it is that you want, that you probably didn't even, sometimes you didn't even realise that you, you you wanted it when you were drinking. Like you might, you might oh, be so perfectly true. happy, you thought you were happy doing the job that you were doing with the husband that you got with the kids that you've got, but then you're like, actually, no, I think I can, maybe I can get something better than this. Maybe I prefer to do this. Maybe I'd like to go and become a, you know, an artist or, whatever
1: it is. Maybe I'll get a better husband.
2: (laughs) It happens, Danny. It happens, doesn't it? It does
1: happen. Hey, one thing that you pointed out, J2, is creating a life that you love. And I think this is really important too, to stop and think like hearing this conversation, a really good journaling point here is what would it look like for me if I was to create a life that I would love? What would that look like for me, honestly? And if that is getting boozed up every weekend, then perhaps that's for you. Fine, no judgment. But if it does look like I want freedom, I want clarity, I want to live like how I'm seeing other people living without however that is, write it down. Like what's the life I want to create for myself? And it starts with an idea. It was very much, that's how I got through my first year. I just kept thinking about the person I wanted to be. And I've said it so many times in the podcast, but I'll say it again. It wasn't very lofty. It was certainly never about being a sober coach or anything or having a podcast It wasn't even on the radar then, but it was someone that didn't hate herself. And that's all it looked like. Someone that was a little bit healthier than she was. I wanted peace and I wanted to not hate myself. That was the vision. And I just kept thinking, okay, well, how do I create that then? What do I have to do to make that happen or just to edge closer to it? But I had this idea and it all starts with the idea and then it has the vision and then the vision needs action. And I think that's really important for people listening. The other thing I want to touch on that I didn't get to say before was sometimes it's worth asking what the fear is. Fear A, if you want to toss your practice, like if it's feeling too much and you go, I want to toss it. Is there fear? What's the fear behind that perhaps? And also if you're feeling overwhelmed and like holding it on like this, what's the fear? There's fear there too. So both sides have fear. And I think this holding on is like, I'm scared that if I don't do it all, I'm going to go back to drinking. But if you could just trust yourself, it's still important to have a daily practice, 100%. I'm all about a daily practice. I love my daily practice, but I do it not because I'm scared of going back to alcohol. I do it because it's part of creating that vision, part of creating the life that I want. It's not because I'm shit scared that alcohol is going to come and grab me again. I think it, it definitely helps keep you on track for sure. That's why we do it. But it's really important to not be doing things from a place of fear, but Because then I think you end up hating it, resenting it too.
2: Well, that's absolutely it. And it's also, you can have the daily practice that is prescribed to begin with, but over time you're like, okay, well, what is it that I really like? Do I want to just stand there and do tree pose or do I want to just walk my dog, grab a coffee, like go, go for a walk, grab a coffee, sit in my community and come home. If that's what is your daily practice, it doesn't have to be journaling. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes of breath work. It's what makes you happy, but also exploring the different options, explore it all and go, okay, well, I really like this. And I really like this particular breath work. I don't really like the other one. So I'm only going to do two minutes of that breath work. It's about creating something that's good for you. That's something that you're going to be able to stick to that is in your mind or in for you setting you up for the good day.
1: Yeah. And it does require some discipline. I think to get good results you need a bit of discipline for sure but as long as it's not coming out of fear I think that's yeah really absolutely thing. and
2: I and I think yeah. that it depends on how long you've got and 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 there's also like some of the things that I used to have in my morning practice I now actually moved to the afternoon just because I didn't have enough time in the morning but I still make sure I have that morning the routine the ritual the morning ritual and then I also have mm-hmm. my beer o'clock ritual but it's just opening <laughs> a different opening a different drink opening a different yeah, drink and and creating that that nice experience for me to make make a meal and really appreciate it so it definitely does I totally agree it definitely does require discipline but it doesn't have to be as all or nothing as sometimes we make it and then we tend to kind of judge ourselves a little bit on it
1: absolutely I think it's yeah so important amazing like it's amazing and I I just I can't stress enough how good life can become if you do a bit of the inner work if you start being a bit more curious and open and saying yes to things. It's when we start to say yes to things that things open up and they start to just drop in front of us. And if you're not saying yes, what's the fear? (laughs) Always asking, what's the fear? What is the fear? Like write that down. It's probably one of the other greatest questions you can ask yourself. What's the fear? What is this teaching me? And then, isn't that interesting?
2: Isn't that interesting? And as part of my second year of sobriety, I was asked if I wanted to Join a women's Aussie Rules Masters team. Awesome. And I was like, No, I'm five foot flat and I'm slow. And she's like, No, come on, come along, you'll enjoy it. And I'm like, no. And yeah, it was like, Well, why am I saying no?
1: Yeah, why were you saying no?
2: Why am I saying no? Well, I was probably a little bit, I'd never played it. i have never, like, I love it, love Aussie Rules, but I've never actually played it. Didn't want to get myself out there kicking a ball and kicking it in the wrong direction. I was worried I might get injured. It was really just I didn't want to be bad at it, Danny. I didn't want to be crap. Uh,
1: there's the fear. There was the fear.
2: That was right. Here, so yeah, so I went to I went to one training session. I really enjoyed it, and I've been to four training sessions now, and I ah! I'm be playing. So and I said no, and it was actually my little niece said to me, "I think it would be a missed opportunity if you didn't do that, Jade." Like eleven year old. So do you?
0: Okay, I love that. All right, well that. there you go.
2: Thanks, Mira. Um. <laughs>
1: That's so great! I love that. There we go. So that's from Jade and I. What's the fear? What's this teaching me? Isn't that interesting? And then just just journal on that. You'll. It's amazing. And look, if you had have had fear, Jade, about taking people, like that's scary. Like every time I put a retreat on sale, oh, I even look when I do a uh, challenge, when I put one on sale, like I kind of know that it, it's got a record of selling out, but this one might not. The next one might not. And there's always a bit of fear there, but You just do it anyway and it usually always works out. Or if it doesn't, perhaps it's teaching you something. It just doesn't matter. I think it's just doing it. And, look, if you hadn't have said yes to yourself about doing this trip to the Himalayas, I mean, you've already got people signed up to do it. Have you got spots
2: left? Yeah, I've still got a few spots left, so definitely reach out. We'll put the link in the show notes.
1: What will someone expect if they were going to come on this 19-day amazing trek with you? Run us through what a day would look like.
2: So a day would look like waking up in the Himalayas, looking at the window at the beautiful mountain scenery. My husband, who is a long-time Sherpa, will be with us. There'll be a group of Sherpas that we've handpicked to take you on the journey. So we'll wake up, have some breakfast, beautiful, different array of food. You don't need to worry about the food. You can be gluten free, you can be vegan, you can be anything. It's a good food. Very good food. Everyone is really surprised by how good the food is. So Mm. beautiful, fresh, amazing food. Everything from pizzas to curries to momos. Momos, oh my God. So they're the Nepalese dumplings and they are amazing. Uh, You can have momos for breakfast if you like. And then we'll all get together and then trek off and probably doing most days will be about six, six or so, six to seven hours of trekking. It's up and down, it's up and down hills, but you're just walking along, looking up at these amazing, this amazing mountain vista. We'll stop for honey and ginger tea. We'll stop for honey and ginger tea or a coffee or whatever yeah. you want. And we'll be doing some breath work looking at the Himalayas. Oh my god. At the end of the day, after we've trekked and with that that blissful, exhausted feeling that I'm so tired, but I'm ready for a nice stretch. We'll do nice yoga. Obviously, we've had lunch along the way. Just stopped at a little guest house along the way and had maybe some fried rice or some momos or whatever you decide to have. And then at the end of the night we're hanging around in a guest house. Fire will be going just connecting with the other people on the on the trekking trail, maybe a notebook and pen, maybe just sit around the corner and do a bit of journaling, whatever you like, and then we'll all be in bed for a beautiful night's sleep because we've got that blissful, exhausted feeling. And then... Oh, my God. Yeah, we wake up and we do it all again and we just see beautiful mountains. We visit monasteries, talk to the Sherpas along the way, talk to all the locals. It's a real cultural... Immersion and we really oh get to know the people. And then we also get, we're, on this trek, we're going to go to Gokyo Lakes. It's a beautiful kind of crater lake up in up in the mountains, up in, up in the top of the Himalayas. And, yeah, it's every day is just calm, walking. We always have enough time. We can't hurry a Sherpa, so there's no point trying to hurry them. And we'll just walk along one step at a time. And if you're lucky, like me, you'll actually forget what day of the week it is.
1: That's so beautiful. Or get a husband like you did. Or you could get a husband.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no guarantee of husbands, but it could be a
1: <laughs> Oh, it's so beautiful. What an amazing experience. Is there an age limit,
2: Jade? Or like, um, No. teenagers. as long as you can track, we will take you. The last people who we took there was a 11 year old twins who we took and they were more than capable of of going up and down the mountains they were probably a little bit more capable of their um than their 40 year old counterparts shall we say well so yeah as long as you are keen and i would recommend knee issues there is a lot of there is a lot of steps but there's definitely no age restriction just if you would like to experience it we can help you make it happen and i would highly recommend it. it is a life-changing experience, you will come back a different person and definitely more connected to yourself and those around you.
1: Oh, my God. It just sounds absolutely amazing. If you're hearing this, maybe it's time to say yes.
2: Maybe it's time to say yes, absolutely, and I'd love to hear from you and we can have a chat about how it all works and more details about the sessions and everything.
1: Yeah, and so obviously we'll put all your details in the show notes. So if anyone wants to contact you, they can contact you. And Jade, just while I've got you here, what's your Instagram handle? Jade Lee Coach. Wonderful. All right. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. It'll all be there. Jade, thank you so much. You're bloody awesome. Very inspiring.
2: Thank you for this chat today. Thank you, Danny. It's a pleasure as always. Bye.